0: Samson is here, so they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, At dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Some time later he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding corn in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, Our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their god, saying... Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women, All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more, and let me with one great blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshterol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel for 20 years. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Hugo. Good morning. I'm Sam, one of the clergy team here. It's great to see you all. Do you recognize these lyrics? Bless my soul. Herc was on a roll. Person of the week in every Greek opinion poll. What a pro, Herc could stop a show, point him at a monster and you're talking SRO. He was a no one, a zero, zero. Now he's a honcho, he's a hero. He was a kid with zack down pat, from zero to hero, in no time flat. Zero to hero, just like that. Anyone uh, born in the 90s, that was Disney's Hercules, zero to hero. Well, how about these? A bit more recent, perhaps if you're, if you're a parent, if you've got young kids, you might have an excuse to know this one. Okay, okay, I see what's happening here. You're face to face with greatness, and it's strange. You don't even know how you feel. It's adorable. Well, it's nice to see that humans never change. Anyone? Moana, open your eyes, let's begin. Yes, it's really me, it's Maui. Breathe it in. I know it's a lot, the hair, the bod, when you're staring at a demigod. What can I say except you're welcome for the tides, the sun, the sky. Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. I'm just an ordinary Demi guy. That was Maui in, you're welcome, Disney's 2016 Moana. Well, this morning, we're looking at Samson. Would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, fresh for us this morning. Thank you that you smile upon us as we gather and open your word. Please, would it be your voice that's heard in our hearts as I preach, that Jesus would be lifted high. And we might be built up together in his likeness. Amen. Samson is our focus today in our series on Old Testament characters. Samson, a great character, a familiar story for many of us. Featured, if you had a children's Bible, um, you might have seen the, the sort of storybook illustrations of flowing hair, rippling muscles. Well, Samson's story, like Gideon's last week, is found in the book of Judges a particularly action-packed bloodthirsty book featuring several major leaders or judges and in the overall story of God's people this book judges is found just after the first 5 uh, books of the bible and then Joshua uh, and before Ruth uh, who takes us into sort of 1 Samuel 2 Samuel and uh, and the kings now that's significant because it locates these episodes this particular story in Israel's history physically, socially, spiritually at the end of Deuteronomy Moses, Israel's great leader, their deliverer dies right on the edge of the promised land looking out over the promised land leaving Joshua to lead the Israelites to take possession of this land flowing with milk and honey and he takes them over but the conquest is incomplete Judges begins with the Israelites asking who should we send up to continue to fight against the Canaanites. And reading Judges, we discover a cycle, a downward spiral of disobedience where the people are led astray by these foreign people and their gods and God gives them into the hands of their enemies. Repentance, God's people cry out. They realize they're not not living how he wants them. They're living under oppression. They don't like it. They cry out for help. And God's mercy, where he sends a deliverer, to rally the tribes and to push back the enemy. And then they disobey, and the cycle begins all over again. Judges ends, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And that sums up the time of the judges and leads us into, then with no surprise, a few chapters later, the people demand for a king, and we get Saul and then David. So that's the backdrop of the life and times of Samson. We have three points this morning. And the first is this. Samson the sinner. Samson the sinner. As we heard, Judges 16, read right a moment ago, it's only too clear that Samson has his flaws. It's hugely frustrating to read, isn't it? And all the more so, if you start at chapter 13 and follow the whole saga through, it's a story packed full of bitter irony. As the audience, we can't help but long for events to turn out better, differently, for Samson to walk a wiser path, to make better decisions. Sound like anyone else you know? Here's Samson, the promised leader of God's people. His birth foretold by an angel. Along comes a baby boy, we're told. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him began to stir him it all sounds hugely promising remember at this time in the old testament the holy spirit hadn't been poured out on all god's people in those times the spirit of god was just placed on particular people at particular times for particular purposes so we can only imagine what particular purposes the lord might have in mind for samson and skipping through chapters 14 and 15 to this morning's passage we find God's anointed leader Samson traveling from tribe to tribe teaching people God's way and administering justice for all no one day Samson goes for a 40 mile hike through enemy controlled territory from his hometown down to Gaza where he takes a like for a certain prostitute and spends the night with her hardly a virtuous example for God's people Yet we see his great strength and cunning, although the people of Gaza are lying in wait to catch him at dawn. He gets up in the middle of the night, pulls the gates from their hinges and carries them to the top of the hill. You can't contain me, he's saying. You can't trap me. I can wander in here and out of here and do whatever I like, whenever I like. It seems Samson really is invincible, unstoppable. That is, until he meets Delilah. Samson falls in love, and the Philistine leaders spot their chance to put an end to Samson once and for all. They offer an extraordinary amount of silver in return for the secret to his power. Three times Delilah asks, and each time Samson tricks her, protecting what he believes to be the secret of his supernatural strength. Delilah resorts to the line, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? We're told that with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. As the audience looking on, we sense it's only a matter of time before he gives up his secret. He's sick to death of the nagging. Maybe he thought anything would be preferable, anything to make it stop. Maybe he trusted her. It seems unlikely uh, or incredibly naive given her previous three attempts to subdue him maybe he figures that even if he were to share his secret no one would be able to come close enough no one would be able to overpower him to cut his hair then his downfall he told her everything having made a mockery of men and their swords for years his secret out subduing him is as easy as taking candy from a baby Soothed to sleep on her lap, out comes the razor. For Samson, his locks aren't simply aesthetic. As they go, one at a time, so his strength left him. Then Delilah called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. It's deeply tragic The Lord had left him. For the first time in his life, he's left to fend off the Philistines by himself, and he doesn't stand a chance. He's overpowered. They show no mercy. They seize him, gouge out his eyes, and take him back where? To Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. In hindsight, they might wish they'd executed him on the spot. But presumably, they reasoned it would be far better for PR to uh, keep him alive. Far better for shaming the Israelites, breaking morale. Better to parade the defeated hero, now blind, bound, and helpless. Undone by a woman, he's given what was typically a a woman's job to do. John Milton writes a poem about Samson. In which he says this: At times when men seek most repose and rest, I yielded and unlocked her all my heart, who with a grain of manhood well resolved might easily have shook off all her snares, but foul effeminacy held me yoked, her bondslave, o oh indignity, o oh blot to honor and religion. Serve our mind rewarded well with servile punishment. The base degree to which I am now which I now am fallen, these rags, this grinding, is not yet so base. As was my former servitude, ignoble, unmanly, ignominious, infamous. True slavery and that blindness worse than this, that saw not how degenerately I served. We might think of our present monarch today, like Samson, set apart from the womb for a particular calling. In his case, to wear the crown, like Samson, by no means perfect. Perfect. Despite Samson's calling and his super strength, he's still an ordinary, flawed human being, a sinner. Samson has his flaws, chosen as he was. Looking on, it seems he made some poor decisions. And in that way, he's a picture of Israel. Their dubious relationship with local people was seen in his unwise relationship with and eventual seduction by Delilah. Delilah. And he's a picture of all of us today, sinful, flawed, all too easily led astray from God's ways, distracted from God's purposes for our lives. Yet despite his tragic end, he gets a mention in the New Testament. Hebrews 11, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. This gives me hope. If God could use Samson, surely he can use us. If there's room in God's kingdom for someone as flawed as Samson, surely there's room for you and me. The second point we're going to consider is Samson the saviour Samson the saviour not all hope is lost as so often in the Bible we're fed a morsel of hope but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved there's another side to Samson despite everything he's been chosen by God raised up to lead God's people to deliver them from the hands of the Philistines and we're told twice he led Israel for 20 years you might ask what that? leading look like we're not given much of a clue other than severely humiliating and undermining the philistines as his refrain goes with a donkey's jawbone i've made donkeys of them with a donkey's jawbone i've killed a thousand men however the climactic line of the whole narrative comes after the pillars have been pushed over by this blind prisoner thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived All we really know about Samson is that while he had breath in his lungs, he was a pain in the Philistine's side, and that he dealt a greater blow with his last breath than in every other breath put together. He'd broken all three clauses of his Nazarite vow, he'd drunk alcohol feasting at his wedding, he'd come into contact with something unclean, eating honey from the lion's carcass, and now at last he had had a razor taken to his head. He didn't seem to mind breaking those first two, but he's clearly reluctant to betray what he believes to be the secret of his power, his uncut hair. However, in Samson, we see what Paul means when he says, if we are faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Samson is faithless. He doesn't keep his side of the bargain, and yet God is faithful, keeping his part. Samson's mother understood the angel to have said now then drink no wine or other fermented drink do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death from the womb until the day of his death so even when Samson messes up he's still a Nazarite the real sadness is not his hair cut or his strength gone but that the Lord has left him But it seems in prison with his hair growing back, the Lord comes back to him and maintains that promise he made. He cries out one final time. Now, this football season, you might not have been cheering Man City on as they progressed towards winning the treble. But you've got to admire the football they play, the way they work together, the heads and the boots. That put the ball in the opposition's net. Erling Haaland was at the top of Man City's goal scoring this season with 52 goals, 35 ahead of his next top scoring teammate, Alvarez, on just 17. No one's saying that Haaland's perfect, but if you enjoy watching goals scored, he's a legend. And if you're a Man City fan, he's something of a savior. Like Samson to the Israelites. And if you're, you know, if you're not an Israelite, Samson's a pain. If you're not a Man City fan, Harlan's something of a, of a pain. But if you're a fan, then he's something of a saviour. Like the Israelites during Samson's 20 years, we can be grateful for the peace we enjoy in this time, in this country, and all who play a part in maintaining that peace. Despite Samson's flaws, God used him greatly. Samson something of a leader, a deliverer, a saviour. And faintly, ever so faintly, his life foreshadows that of the saviour to come a thousand years later. And our final point is this. Jesus, the better Samson. Jesus, the better Samson. Hebrews 11 finishes, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Samson was commended for his faith, yet God had something better for us with him, with all the heroes of the faith. Like Samson, Jesus' birth is promised to a childless Israelite woman. Like Samson, Jesus is set apart from the womb. Like Samson, Jesus grows and is blessed by the Lord and filled with the Spirit. Jesus takes the lead in delivering God's people from their enemies. Jesus is filled with the power of God and by his strength achieves mighty acts. Jesus' sacrificial death dealt a blow to the enemy. But Jesus isn't just like Samson, he's the true Samson, the better Samson. Jesus is the faithful deliverer, judge, leader. He's the sinless saviour whose death was able to achieve far more than a temporary blow to those oppressing God's people. Jesus willingly laid down his life for his friends. It wasn't taken from him in a plot um, that he foolishly fell for. Rather, we see him generously trusting and actively helping Judas, his betrayer. Jesus' life wasn't focused on the immediate physical liberation of God's people, but on their spiritual, eternal liberation from the tyranny of sin. Jesus' death was the picture of weakness, of suffering, of humiliation. His enemies thought they'd won and gloated over him. God used what looked like the greatest defeat and revealed it to be the greatest victory. Like Samson, Jesus' body was collected and put in a tomb. But on the third day, he was raised to life again. And in his death, Jesus sets the paradigm for all who follow him. He told Peter to put his sword away. He told us to love our enemies. His cry from the cross was not, let me die with my enemies, but it is finished. The work of salvation is done, not about revenge, but about love. Paul tells us to leave revenge, to leave justice to the Lord. One day we'll meet Samson. We'll stand shoulder to shoulder with him. We'll be able to size him up for ourselves. If you're wondering if he really was a six foot six hulk of a man or just an ordinary man filled with supernatural strength, we'll be able to size him up for ourselves. But if we consider that question at all, it'll be the briefest of thoughts as we stand side by side and worship the better Samson, the true Samson. The Samson who used his God-given strength only for the good of others and never for revenge. The better Samson whose death dealt that death blow to God's enemy once and for all, Jesus. And in him we have God's victory. God's victory over sin and death. We have peace with God and man. And we're called to use this strength that he gives us by his power, not for our ends, not for revenge, but to seek first his kingdom and the good works that he's prepared in advance for us do. Let's pray.